On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a lot more in-car entertainment appears to be heading to your Tesla in the coming months. Premium connectivity now comes with a price tag. More Cybertruck updates from Elon Musk, good news from Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai, and more. Hello from rainy San Francisco, my friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is episode 228 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for December 15th, 2019. And a curled up, snuggling Daisy the Boxer puppy is to my left. Well, it's another busy week in the world of Tesla. Uh, Last weekend, I had a wonderful time doing some Tesla stuff with the Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Group, a really great holiday party put on there. I want to thank Ann and John and the club leadership for putting together a fantastic event. It was really nice to uh, to sit around and, and just uh, have a good time chatting with, with everybody, especially, you know, this was the first time that I've been at any kind of public, like, Tesla group thing since the Cybertruck unveil, so that was obviously a hot topic. We did, uh, you know, people were sitting at, at various tables at the at the the hotel slash restaurant we were at, and they one of the cool things that the club leaders did was a little sort of trivia contest. Each table got different Tesla, like real deep dive trivia questions. <laughs> I'm I'm embarrassed to say we we only got two of the three correct. We didn't we missed one, uh, but yeah, it was a really good time. So again, I you know I've I've said it before. If you have not participated in your local official Tesla Owners Club, give it a try sometime. I mean, it's a really good time to uh, just hang out with fellow enthusiasts, fellow Tesla owners. It is good, good stuff. Uh, all right, let's get to the Tesla news for the week. There is plenty going on once again, despite the fact that we're heading towards the holidays. Tesla still staying plenty busy. Uh, first up, I guess I'm sort of starting and ending with some not super great news, but uh, this first story, free premium connectivity in all of the cars is coming to an end, and it will now be $9.99 per month if you are not grandfathered in on the uh, free lifetime connectivity, which was, I want to say, I believe it was July, maybe August 1st uh, onwards, of 2018, pardon me, I should I should clarify that that uh, that did not get it, and and everybody before that did. I was lucky enough to I took delivery and was I was July what July 29th 2018, and I I do have free premium connectivity. If you're not sure, uh, well, number one, if you're not sure, you should have received an email from Tesla about it. But you can also log into your Tesla account and click on Manage next to the next to your car. Uh, in your account there, and it will show you on the right-hand side there if you have uh, the free lifetime connectivity or not. You know, it's kind of a bummer here, I think, that Tesla is not, at least currently, offering the $100 per year deal that they they originally mentioned. You know, because if they were doing that, that would at least be a bit of a savings for people that are willing to prepay for the entire, you know, 12 months of the year. Instead, the, you know, it's it's just the $10 per month option, which is obviously $20 more 
per year than the than that hundred dollar a year deal that they had had mentioned last year back in 2018. So I really hope that Tesla does add that option soon. I mean, you certainly you know you you don't want to necessarily make everybody prepay for an entire year, but it would be nice to give people a little bit of a a little bit of a discount if they're willing to go ahead and prepay the entire year. But uh, as a caller who called in this week, who unfortunately didn't identify himself, noted to me, if you do the back of the napkin math, uh, just sort of looking at this, uh, you know, it's not great news for, for you if you have to pay, although, you know, Tesla did warn us about this. But for as far as the health of the company goes, especially over time, if you do the back of the napkin math, this should end up being some pretty nice income for Tesla, particularly, again, o- over the years and months and years as the fleet continues to grow. I mean, there are, let's call it, as, as uh, Daisy drinks uh, some water behind me there, if you're wondering what that sound is, let's call it half a million Model 3s out there right now. It's roughly that. I think it's probably actually more, but hey, round number, half a mil. And let's say half of those are free for life, even though I think it's probably actually less than that. But so let's say, let's say even 200,000 people choose to pay the $10 per month. That's 2 million bucks a month, 24 million bucks a year. And that uh, not only is, I'm intentionally trying to make that a conservative estimate, but that's also before the Model Y releases and all of the Model Ys will, uh, which by the way, as a reminder, will eventually outnumber the Model 3s, are going to be subject to this optional subscription package. Again, you don't have to pay it if you're a Model 3, if you're, you know, any Tesla owner, you don't have to pay. You get the, you know, the uh, the streaming music and you get your live traffic data. Uh, so you don't have to pay, but if you choose to do so, it's going to end up being a nice chunk of change for Tesla's books just again, especially as the years go on, it's just going to be more and more revenue over time for Tesla there. So that was uh, that was the big bummer of a story for owners this past week is is that the the uh, the the jig is up and it is now going to be ten bucks a month for premium connectivity. However, more apps for the car are seemingly coming to the entire fleet and not just more, a lot more. So this news comes via the white hat hacker in the Tesla community who who goes by the username of Green The Only on Twitter. And Green The Only has found evidence in the Tesla firmware, in the software, that suggests HBO Go, HBO Now, Crunchyroll for you anime fans, Comedy Central, Twitch, Mixer, Monty Python, I actually didn't even know that they had their own sort of streaming portal slash service, and Youku, Y-O-U-K-U, which I had to look up, and that is a Chinese service. All of those were found by Green the Only in the Tesla code, and so uh, they all appear to be on the way. You know, it's it's clear to me, I mean, it was already clear, but this only really crystallizes it, that the, the aforementioned premium connectivity plan is, uh, is going to have a lot more value added to it over time in exchange for that monthly payment that, that you're now going to have to make. And, you know, this is also, of course, part of Tesla's long-term play with full self-driving. 
you know, we know that Tesla is pretty well ahead of the curve when it comes to driver assistance technology and the race to full self-driving. And when Tesla does reach that point, both on the tech side and regulatory approval, what's going to happen is your Tesla is already, the day that happens, your Tesla will already be packed full of entertainment apps that you get to watch while your car drives you to your destination. So the thing about that is, even if other car companies manage to catch up in the technology department, and then they'll obviously need the regulatory approval as well, they're not going to have these apps. At least they're almost certainly not going to. So that means people are going to look at that and go, okay, well, which which car with full self-driving technology do I want to buy? Obviously, Tesla makes its case in many, many ways, cost of ownership and uh, the fun factor and, and all kinds of stuff. The, but but uh, just even on top of that, you, you, if you're just comparing apples to apples, you're just looking at full self-driving. Which one of these cars do I want to hang out in while it drives me to work every day? Well, guess what? Odds are you're going to choose a Tesla because who wouldn't pick the super safe car that also has Netflix in it, has YouTube in it, has HBO Now in it, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that is going to be a big strength for Tesla as the search and quest for full self-driving continues and eventually comes to a close and it happens. So we don't know when these apps will be rolling out. It's uh, important to point that out. They were only found in the code. There's no timetable on that. It could be weeks. It could be months. But again, if Green the Only found them in there, there is a very high probability that they are going to be released for everybody eventually. Next up this week, Elon Musk continuing to talk Cybertruck. He took to Twitter and addressed uh, the just sort of tweaks that are going to happen over time. He says, quote, We can probably reduce the width by an inch and maybe reduce the length by six plus inches without losing on utility or aesthetics. The minimum height is below 75 inches when the air suspension is set to low. We'll post the exact number soon. So he's just kind of giving, he's basically saying through sheer engineering refinements, they can actually reduce the size of the vehicle, you know, not much on the, on the width, but, uh, you know, a, a pretty meaningful amount on the length on what is already a very, very long vehicle without actually sacrificing the utility of it or the looks of the Cybertruck either. And now, uh, he also spoke to how much smaller the potential smaller Cybertruck might be that, that you remember Elon had suggested they might build somewhere further on down the road. He said, quote, that will require a full redesign, but it would probably be about 73 inches or about uh, 185 centimeters of width. So uh, a good a good bit smaller. You know, that's <laughs> that's about, that's... Uh, that's a good, that's a, quite a difference from where the truck is at now. So, you know, it sounds like that the smaller Cybertruck might not have just been an offhand comment. If you were if you were thinking that, which you know, I think I've learned over time, 
things that things that Elon Musk says that sound like they're probably offhand comments if anyone else says them and, and even within the same context. With Elon, they tend not to be offhand comments. They tend to be things that really will happen. But, um, you know, again, the, the thing, the thing I, what's, what's interesting to me here is that the fact that Elon chose to post this suggests that he's clearly been thinking about it a bit. And I, so I just, that again leads me to wonder something I talked about a, one or two shows back is I wonder if Elon has been surprised at the reaction to the Cybertruck and specifically the reservation count. If he thought that those 250 plus thousand, or I should say 250,000 plus reservations is, you know, is that a lot more than he was expecting? Which we, if you remember, if you look at previous Tesla history, he was absolutely caught off guard by Model 3 reservations and how how many of those piled up so quickly. And in fact, if you if you follow that thread to its completion, the Model 3, the, the production guidelines for the Model 3 and the production timeline for Model 3 got vastly accelerated because of the strong reservation count that, that happened so quickly back in early 2016 there, the end of March of 2016. And in fact, uh, that was that was a, an object of, Elon was ridiculed for that, saying, oh, well, we're gonna, you know, he, he upped Tesla's targets and goals by a drastic amount, and everybody thought, "Oh, you're crazy! It's never going to happen." And and yeah, did it take? Did it happen exactly on his timeline? No, but in the end, the production ha- ended up happening uh, much more quickly and at a much much higher volume in in within you know here we are at the end of 2019 than was the original time frame for this. So I wonder if anything similar to that might happen with the Cybertruck again. If Elon was taken aback by the the reservation number or not, you know, for for all we know, maybe he thought there'd be more with the fact that the reservations are only a hundred dollars and they're refundable. Maybe he thought there'd be more, but I kind of think it's probably the other way that he it's either close to his expectation or or this this number has exceeded his expectations. I would love to know some context on that if I ever get the chance. As I said, I think last week. I tried tweeting that at him, but didn't get a response that time. More updates from Elon. What about the Cyberquad, the ATV that will come as an optional accessory for the Cybertruck? He says, we'll aim to have it come out at the same time as the Cybertruck. It's a two-seater electric ATV designed to work with Cybertruck, and it will be fun. Electric dirt bikes would be cool too. We won't do road bikes as it's too dangerous. He says, I was hit by a truck and almost died on one when I was 17. Now he's told that motorcycle story before. People have asked him at shareholder meetings and things, oh, are you going to do an electric motorcycle? And he's, every time, that's the story he says. Like, no, he's not interested in doing that at Tesla because he finds them to be very dangerous. And obviously Tesla is all about safety, safety, safety. But still, uh, it's it's really cool to hear that the the Cyberquad. I don't know if we're officially calling it Cyberquad, but I'm going to go with it until either I get corrected or maybe the community decides on a, on a better name than that. But I'm liking Cyberquad. That feels pretty good to me. But 
Uh, what's cool again is is it sounds like CyberQuad might make it out by the fall of 2021 in time for the initial Cybertruck production. So that is cool. And I'll tell you, I've I've actually never been on an ATV. Oh no, wait, that's not true. I did. I got to do an ATV tour once in Hawaii, and it was super fun. Of course, those were you're moving really slow on purpose. You're never you're not doing you're not doing any kind of jumps or anything crazy. But I'd love to ride the the Cyberquad sometime. That would be super fun. Uh, now, Elon was not just talking about the Cybertruck this week. He took it out for a drive. He was spotted by TMZ taking the Cybertruck to Nobu out in Malibu for dinner last weekend, which if you're not familiar with Nobu, it is one of the most famous celebrity-packed restaurants around. Uh, there's a Nobu in New York City that gets a lot of well-known clientele, a lot of celebrity clientele there. And clearly this Malibu one does as well. The Cybertruck was parked out front the entire time. The the valet, you know, the valet doesn't get to <laughs> doesn't get to jump in the Cybertruck and go park it around the back. Now the uh, the Cybertruck was parked right out in front of Nobu the entire time. And if you're curious, yes, it was guarded by Tesla handlers the entire time while Elon ate dinner. And you know, it's interesting. It's Elon obviously wanted to be seen because if he didn't if he wanted to just kind of sneak in for a you know an incognito dinner at Nobu he would have brought a Model S or maybe a, the performance Model 3 that he, uh, he he drives sometimes he would not have brought the Cybertruck but I, if I had to guess I would suspect he was I mean may, maybe I'm reading too much into it but he may very well have been enjoying a you know a bit of a celebratory dinner after uh, he won his defamation lawsuit that was brought against him by Vernon Unsworth from the whole uh, the whole back and forth uh, when the back when you remember the the kids were trapped in the underwater cave and that uh, led to an, a very unpleasant social media exchange that that saw Elon uh, you know really not put up a good look not that Vernon Unsworth put up a good look either and and Elon ended up having to go to court over it, but he did win that case. Anyway, what I love about this, and the reason I bring this up, is because I love how Tesla just, well, they'll just take their prototypes out for rides in public, uh, right on public roads, once they're finally unveiled. We saw that happen with the Model 3 a little bit. The, there was a uh, that silver alpha prototype was was spotted out here and again. It was spotted at SpaceX at one point, and it, it, it got out a little bit. And then we've obviously seen that a ton with the Tesla semi-trucks, the two functioning prototypes there. Those, those things have been put to work. They are out there doing field testing. Like Many, many people have spotted them at superchargers and talked to the drivers. They are out there, and now the Cybertruck being run out and about around Los Angeles. You know, the makes me think too, the, the Model Y prototype earlier this year, it really wasn't spotted out in public that much, although now the release candidates have, of course, been running around quite a lot recently all over the place, not just LA. In fact, a lot of Bay Area sightings because they're, they're, uh, they built them up here, of course. And then they've been spotted as far out as, the, the Midwest and, and up uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest, they are out and about. But yeah, the, the prototype Y, the blue one, didn't really, uh, I, don't, I don't remember actually even a single instance of it being spotted 
publicly and and uh, posted online. And then you know, let's see. You know, I, I wonder. Just I'm just starting now. I'm going down this line of thought. Maybe that was part of the whole. Don't give anyone a reason to not order a Model Three line of thinking that was prevalent at Tesla at the time when the when the Model Y was unveiled. And then I guess uh, what's the other prototype? The Roadster, the red Roadster prototype. That was out only out on public roads once that I can think of when Franz von Holzhausen took it out for a drive not too long after the unveiling and was spotted in a in a residential street <laughs> out out and about with it. But you know. This, this, these Cybertruck pictures and videos that have uh, been posted online as Elon and, and the team have been driving it out in public, they, again, they, they remind me of my DeLorean days in that the artificial nightlights, if you, you'll, you'll look, look and see what I'm talking about if you uh, have looked or you're going to look up now that you're hearing me talk about it, these Cybertruck sightings in the wild, because they've all been at night. Take a look, uh, I think they've all been at night, or most of them. Take a look at the pictures or videos, and you'll see the way that the night lights, the artificial night lighting, doesn't really reflect off of the stainless steel the way it would paint, but instead it kind of, it makes, it just kind of glows off of the stainless in this really, really cool way, which the DeLorean does as well, and I always love that about it. Like, I always loved showing it off at night because it just had this super cool glow to it. I always love that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I guess the last thing I'll say on this is that, you know, any time that Tesla wants an automatic free wave of publicity, all they have to do is take the Cybertruck out in public somewhere. That's it. The design of it is just so radical that it's, it draws attention and cameras wherever it goes uh, especially since there's still only one functioning one that we know of in the entire world. So it is a unicorn and it is a very, uh, it's, it's like, what's, what's something else that's rare besides that, that's a one of a kind thing besides a unicorn. It's like, it's like a dinosaur unicorn. <laughs> you can't, they don't exist. So good stuff, uh, out in Cybertruck land, particularly down in LA this past week. Meanwhile, Edmunds has tabbed the Model 3 as its best electric vehicle of the year. Edmunds saying, quote, The Model 3 is unlike any other vehicle on sale, electric or internal combustion engine. Its features, technology, price, and driving dynamics make it an impossible force to ignore. In the gaming world, we would say, put that on the box. Of course, cars don't come in boxes. Put that on the box, and the Model 3... Edmonds Model 3 is an impossible force to ignore. So just love, wanted to pass that along. Great to see another accolade from a very respected publication in Edmonds. So congratulations to the entire Model 3 team. I'm sure some of you are listening to this podcast. Meanwhile, at Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai, they have received the official, all the regulatory approvals. They have the green light They're not only building cars, they are delivering made-in-China Model 3s, and car carriers have been spotted heading out of the Gigafactory 3, loaded up with Model 3s, ready for those deliveries. So that is just wonderful, fantastic news. And Tesla, they did it. They did it. And uh, not only Tesla, but but everybody in China that, that 
worked like heck to to build that factory so quickly. I mean, it's December and they are delivering cars. One year ago, it was a mud patch. It was nothing. It was a field. And now they are delivering made in China Model 3s. That is just unbelievable. Now, on a related note, Reuters, uh, via Teslarati, hat tip to Teslarati, reports that Tesla will be increasing prices on the long-range dual motor and on the performance Model 3s in China as because those cars have to be imported from the Fremont factory here in the United States. And I guess it does make sense, really, because Tesla wants customers in China to buy the made-in-China versions because it's cheaper for Tesla to make those and thus profits are higher on those vehicles. If somebody in China wants a long-range dual motor or they want a performance car that gets shipped over from here, Tesla has to spend a whole bunch of money shipping the cars over to China for those buyers, which obviously is going to eat into Tesla's margins. So good stuff there. And next up, Gigafactory 4 in Berlin. Word is the groundbreaking might happen as soon as next week. So that is moving right along. Now, speaking of Gigafactory 4 in Berlin, one report says that the long-term plan, emphasis on long-term plan here, is to build half a million cars per year there. German publication Build, uh, once again, uh, spotted on Teslarati, thanks to them. Build says that the number will be comprised of Model 3s and Model Ys. And why the reason I mention that is because Tesla themselves had already said that the Y will be the first vehicle to be produced there, which presumably then means that the 3 will be added later, unless that plan has potentially changed and they're going to put in two assembly lines to start with. Sure, they share a lot of parts, but it would be a second assembly line. I kind of doubt that's going to be the case, just just for... It, logistically, I think it probably makes more sense that they will do what they said, which is start with the Model Y, and then at some point build an assembly line and start making Model 3s at Gigafactory 4 as well. Meanwhile, the German newspaper Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung reports that Tesla is planning to invest $4.41 billion into this plant, which is expected to create 10,000 local jobs there in Berlin, which is just wonderful. Now, you may remember on a recent episode, I had done the napkin math on this and came up with the, 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 no, the notion that Tesla would be building a million cars per year once the Model Y production is ramped up. And that was across Fremont and Shanghai. So Gigafactory 4, once it's ramped up, would push that up by 50% up to a million and a half cars per year. And that's not even accounting for how many more uh, cars that Gigafactory 3 might end up turning out as, as time goes on and production ramps up there. But of course, you know, I do recognize even that, that, that 1.5 million number that I'm floating here, it's going to take plenty of time. It's going to probably take years, whether it's two, three, four years for Gigafactory 4 to fully ramp up. And that's even once it's open. It's obviously not even open yet. 
They haven't even, as I said, they haven't even broken ground yet. It's currently still a forest. So uh, regardless, though, just think about this. How great, to, again, 10,000-foot view, which you guys know that I like to zoom out and take from time to time because I think it's important to kind of take a take a, a, a wider look at things and just look at the bigger picture. How great are things going for Tesla right now? The Model 3 is a absolute smash hit. Gigafactory 3 is producing and delivering cars in under a year. The Tesla stock, if you've been watching that, has been steadily rising. Gigafactory 4's plan is in place and groundbreaking appears to be imminent. Model Y is ahead of schedule. Cybertruck has over 250,000 reservations. I mean, it's just great to see. And the thing about this and all this success for on Tesla's part, it is all so well-earned by the entire Tesla team. So, so much hard work has gone into where the company is at now and continues to go into it by, again, literally every single person working at Tesla. And the entire company has done everything in the face of just continued headwinds from short sellers, from fudsters, from naysayers, from competitors, etc. I mean, just what a story Tesla is. Just, again, just zoom out and think about it. What a story this company is. I think there is a tremendous book to be written about Tesla someday. I mean, you could write a pretty darn good book right now, but let's give it another decade. Give it 10 more years, and I'll bet the book you could write on Tesla is going to be an absolute, just riveting page-turner. The story of this company is absolutely incredible. Finally this week, I hate to end on a bit of a down note, but I did warn you at the top of the show that the, the book-ending stories, the first one and the last one, aren't the, uh, the best of news. The Model 3 prices went up by $500 this week. Now, the only reason that I'm surprised by that, uh, I wanted to mention it just as information, obviously. It's relevant information for any of you out there who are uh, looking to buy soon. But the only reason that I'm actually genuinely surprised by this is because I would have guessed and thought that the prices would go down slightly, maybe down by 500 in the next month or so. I thought that would have been more likely because, as you all know, the federal tax credit in the United States is about to expire forever, thus effectively making all Teslas sold in the United States $1,875 more expensive. And because the thing is, you may remember the previous two times that the federal tax credit has been reduced during this phase out. Uh, so this was Q1 and then the beginning of Q3. So January and July, Tesla lowered the prices of the cars a little bit to help offset that for buyers. We are not getting that this time, at least not as of now, we're getting a $500 price increase. So, you know, I guess this is it uh, for, for uh, price decreases for the time being. You know, again, in time, as, as uh, like I talked about with Cybertruck, if they're building a 500 mile range Cybertruck for 70 grand that and a 250 mile uh, Cybertruck for for uh, $40,000, that would almost certainly mean that Model 3's prices will come down a little bit. 
over over the next couple of years. But for now, they are up $500. But the good news, I don't want I don't want to say only $500 because it's it's you know it's not an insignificant amount of money, but it is. I think it's reasonable to say that 500 probably isn't a deal breaker for most buyers. All right, that is everything in your Tesla news this week. Stick around, though. I'm going to be right back, of course, with your Ride the Lightning hotline calls, your Tesla comments, questions, discussion topics. Stay tuned for that right after this. Now, real quick, before I start the Ride the Lightning hotline, I just want to spread a little holiday cheer towards Abstract Ocean. My friends over there, abstractocean.com, fantastic site for Tesla accessories. They've got all kinds of great stuff. Brand new uh, generation tempered glass screen protectors for your Model 3 with that nice subtle curve in the bottom of the glass. The center console wraps, which are super popular now. You know, you want to either, if you want to eliminate the the fingerprinting and or the easily scratched uh, gloss finish on that. You can, you know, you could do white. If you've got a white interior, you could do a carbon fiber look. There's all kinds of stuff you can do there. So uh, take a look at everything they've got. It's abstractocean.com and they continue to offer very kindly the 15% discount off of your first order if you are a listener of this show. Just use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. It's all one word, RTLPODCAST, abstractocean.com. All right, let's do the Ride the Lightning Hotline. This is, of course, your time to shine. Your questions, comments, discussion topics as they pertain to the world of Tesla. If you would like to participate here, I welcome it. I invite it. I thank you for taking the time to send in your your calls. And you can do that in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software to record your question and send it my way via email. Now again, kindly, say this very kindly, please try to keep those questions, keep those calls to 90 seconds or less. Uh, it's, we want to get through as many to as many folks as I can each week. So 90 seconds or less, email the file to me if you record it on your phone to teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call and leave that same 90 second or less call on the Ride the Lightning hotline. You just dial it up and leave a message. That's all you do. The number is one 989 8752 Again, that's 1-888-989-8752. T-S-L-A. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, which is, of course, what I do with them, or you can put them onto a keepsake. If you want to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Let me kick it off here. Our first caller, Adam from Delaware, uh, who is sort of torn with multiple... Tesla reservations for vehicles that have yet to be released. See if I can help them out at all. Adam, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's Adam from Delaware. Uh, I currently find myself unexpectedly having a reservation for the Model Y and the Cybertruck. And I'm trying to justify or figure out my my path forward. Uh, One thing that has been running through my mind is what is the future of Tesla's uh, ride-sharing program and what that looks like. And one additional benefit 
of a Cybertruck, you wouldn't necessarily want to get a ride in it like an Uber, but I can see people wanting to rent one for the weekend. Um, that could potentially offset my purchase and potentially justify me buying uh, both I live in a rural area, someplace where people would want that, and I wouldn't want to necessarily let my Model Y be used by other people, but the Cybertruck maybe would be something that'd be durable and wouldn't get beat up by others when they borrow it. What are your thoughts? Interesting thought, Adam. Thank you for your call. I think this could totally work, and Cybertruck owners could charge a bit more for that option as a result, potentially. In fact, they could make it, Tesla could make it an actual option. You know, if, if the owner of the Cybertruck opts out of a cargo option for, ro for robo-taxi passengers, it could simply close and lock the vault, though, you know, it would, it would have shown the owner's preference to that, to the renter in the app ahead of time, no doubt. But if that owner did want to allow others to use the vault, then yeah, it would be really, really cool to robo-taxi a Cybertruck to help you move. I like that. Stefan from Toronto is up next, who, uh, like a lot of us, very much has Cybertruck on the brain and wants to talk a little bit about that. Stefan, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. It's Stefan calling from Toronto. Just finished listening to your previous podcast about the Cybertruck. I love that episode. Just like everyone else, totally dumbfounded and shocked by what I was seeing on, on stage and then eventually really, really got into it. Um, I, I can't stop thinking about the Cybertruck and it just keeps making me rethink what my preferences are in life. But anyway, um, I just wanted to call around one of the comments that were made about the range and the payload. Uh, and I'm just wondering, I don't recall seeing any of the other product unveils having a plus sign next to the range for the specs. So I'm just wondering, do you think it's possible that Tesla is indicating what the uh, attempted range or, or um, what the intended range would be with the payload uh, and that the plus sign might indicate, you know, an extra amount of range that we can get without a payload? Just what you're, you know, wondering what your thoughts are, um, you know, I, I have a feeling that might be the case because they just want to stick to their word and, and not have any scrutiny around it. So, uh, yeah, just thought I'd make that comment. Thanks for the podcast. Have a great day. Good eye there, Stefan. Uh, my thinking is similar to yours, but not identical. I think the plus sign is indicating that the final production truck may be able to tow more and or carry more. In other words, the number that they're giving now is the minimum that they're promising. And that's the beauty part of Tesla prototypes, is that they are prototypes, not concept cars. Big difference. In almost every way, the production cars for Tesla have typically been better than the prototypes that they are initially based on, which is, of course, what terrifies me in the very, very best of ways about the Roadster, if, if the final production car, which you, you heard Franz say in my interview with him, uh, what was that, like a month and a half ago, that the final, the final car is going to be significant, going to be better than the prototype. Uh, Will from uh, Ancaster is up next and had a solution to the caller that was asking about a car wash mode on last week's show. Will, go ahead. 
Hey, Ryan. Uh, just a couple of quick points. It's Will Stedman from Ancaster. Um, I was just listening to this week's episode. And uh, just an answer to the car wash mode thing. You can actually put your car in tow mode, and that will enable it free rolling so that you can get out of the car and allow uh, your car to go through one of the car washes where they require uh, the car to be unattended. So um, it's not officially a car wash mode, but it is tow mode, and then uh, when you're done, obviously, put it back in there. Uh, the second thing, I'm not 100% sure. I think it was last week's episode that you were talking about the uh, the winter kit. Um, the first time you brought it up, anyway, for Canadian residents. Um, I'm not 100% sure if you specified that that was only for Model 3 or not, but uh, when I took my, my ex in for um, some maintenance work uh, this week, I asked about it for the X and for my F as well, and uh, they advised that that was only an option for the Model 3. So um, just in case that wasn't uh, previously mentioned, just thought... Uh, might want to let you know so that you can advise everybody else. Anyway, great podcast. Looking forward to the Cybertruck. See ya. Bye. Hey, Will. Uh, my apologies if I did not specify Model 3 when I was doing that winter weatherproofing kit story up for Canada there. Uh, I did mean to say that. I hope I did, but nevertheless, I appreciate your clarification. Also, uh, thank you for that workaround for car wash mode. Because, yes, indeed, uh, having recently had to use the tow mode for the first time ever, the, uh, it, it, you reminded me about that. And, yes, tow mode should indeed work for a touchless automatic car wash. Thank you very much for that. And I just wanted to shout out, too, on a similar note, Ron from Nashville called in about this and suggested maybe uh, trying the waterless car wash sprays as an alternative for those winter times as well. So thanks, Ron, in addition to Will for those uh, suggestions. Eric from Vermont, talking Cybertruck, specifically the top portion of it. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Ryan. Uh, this is Eric from Vermont. I uh, just wanted to talk uh, Cybertruck and uh, whether it has a roof rack. Uh, I didn't see any pictures. Uh, that's a really useful for contractors, you know, who put ladders on top of their trucks and pipes and wood. That's something that's uh, a must have. Uh, the other thing is if this truck can handle plowing, plowing driveways and, um, you know, the air suspension would work well because of the weight of the plow. Um, but, uh, you know, can the frame take all that uh, forces that you know it, when plows hit snow banks and stuff uh, that would be good to know and and how the exoskeleton would sort of deal with being able to have a crumple zone and also be tough enough for for uh, plowing in the winters um, you know there's also you know potentially when autonomous uh, driving takes hold there's you know having autonomous plows would kind of be a cool thing to see uh, come to fruition so anyway those are some thoughts I had uh, and uh, thanks for a great podcast bye hey Eric I suppose a suction cup roof rack could work on the Cybertruck it'd be angled down obviously there's no real getting around that but I know that prior to Tesla releasing an official roof rack for the Model 3 people were using suction cup based racks to carry stuff up there as for plowing, I, I certainly obviously don't know, but I would bet lunch that, yes, 
a Cybertruck could handle snow plowing duties really, really well. I mean, as you noted, the dynamic air suspension would really help with that. And I think the stainless steel exoskeleton would be a strength there too. And you wouldn't have to really uh, worry about about any thermal buildup, like any any sort of heat, like overheating an engine or anything with, with having a big plow in the front of the thing. No concern there. So cheers, Eric. Michael from Milbray is up next and uh, has an issue. He's noticing a problem with scheduled departure charging. Michael, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's Michael from Milbury. I wanted to chat a little bit about the new uh, scheduled departure mode for charging uh, in the in the cars that was added in the recent software update. I turned that on as soon as I got the update, thinking that would be a great uh, thing to use. But uh, I'm noticing that sometimes my car actually starts charging the night before while my energy is still on peak usage. Um, at one point, it started as early as 8 in the evening even though I have the departure scheduled for the next morning. Um, I'm wondering if that's something that is uh, affecting other people. Um, if you if you see that in your history, uh, and if so, maybe a bit of a PSA for everyone to be cognizant of that uh, potential bug um, and, and be sure to double check, make sure that you're not actually paying more money for charging your car. Uh, hopefully they'll get this worked out soon, but in the meantime, worth a double check to make sure that you aren't paying peak rates to charge your car. Take care. Bye. Great to hear from you, Michael. And I have heard this from other people. In fact, I experienced this myself last weekend. Even though Santa Cruz, which is where the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley uh, holiday party was, it's not that far this was like, uh, I don't know, 70 miles, something like that. I went ahead and set a full 100% charge for a 9 a.m. scheduled departure as that was right about when I had planned to leave. Well, I woke up that morning and I checked the app at like 7.40 a.m. And it was already done. It was already charged. And the thing is, as you know, Tesla themselves tells us not to leave the car sitting at 100% charge, that if you're going to do a full range 100% charge, you should try to get it topped up and then get in and get going as soon as possible. So I wasn't thrilled about that. Uh, and now after your call, I'm going to keep an extra close eye on it. I, I I think it's a wonderful feature and a lot of people had been calling for it. I mean, it's, it's a it's great feature, but you're right. It sounds like it might need a bit more tweaking. Thank you very much for calling in with this. Let me go now out to Las Vegas and talk to Anthony, uh, who has a question about ordering and the Cybertruck. Go ahead, Anthony. Hey, Ryan. This is Anthony from Las Vegas. I had a question about referral codes and uh, reservations. I was one of the people who did not like the Cybertruck at first, but ended up making a reservation 24 hours later, and I love it, and uh, realized I didn't use a referral code and uh, have some friends that are also curious about how that would work. So if you could shed some light, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Anthony, I am glad you brought this up because this is a good public service announcement. You cannot use referral codes on the Cybertruck or the Y, um, and presumably the Roadster or the Semi-Truck as well. You can only use it on vehicles that are in production currently. So that would be the Model S, the Model X, and the Model 3. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news on that, but that uh, that is the case 
with regard to you know the differences between pre-orders slash reservations and cars that are you can order for delivery right now. Stephen from Melbourne in Australia uh, wants to talk Cybertruck as well. So let's talk to Stephen. Hi, Ryan. Stephen from Melbourne, Australia here. Just on the Cybertruck unveiling, um, when that thing first popped up on stage, I didn't know what to think. It was everything Musk said it was going to be, how it looked and what it did. Um, but it didn't, it didn't um, sit well with me with thinking the general truck market would be interested in it. Now, going on a week from then, there's 250,000 pre-orders, me being one of it. Um, I really hope this thing is a smash hit. Um, my only downside is I've just realised that it's slightly too long to get into my garage, um, which I'll have to work on something, maybe some renovations. Um, but Musk did say that in the future he could possibly build in, uh, be building a smaller version of it. Now, that would be awesome for uh, four-wheel driving and camping and stuff like that, where you don't need such a big truck um, or an APC. Um, Anyway, the looks have grown on me. I reckon it's going to be amazing. Um, too bad about that shattered glass demo, but, you know, things happen. Um, I'm sure that's just going to get the guys to improve it a lot lot better. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to 2022 or probably 2024, 2025 by the time it comes to Australia. So, yeah, all good. Catch you, Ryan. I agree with you, Stephen, in that I do think that of the many things that will come out of the Cybertruck unveiling for Tesla – one of them is that the glass is probably going to be improved some more and be even better by the time it gets put into a production truck that lives in your garage. I wish you the best with sorting out your garage situation. Uh, if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that I can very much relate to that. And I hope that you are able to take delivery relatively soon. I mean, my realistic guess and this is certainly a guess, I should clarify, but just based on how the Model 3 has gone and getting those down to Australia, you know, hopefully late 2022, or if you ordered a tri-motor, maybe late 20, uh, well, I guess single motor, I should say, now that that's flipped, you know, the single motor might be 2023 for you. So we'll see, hopefully not too, too long. Jacob from Orlando is interested in the Cybertruck and wants to... Uh, Compare it, or actually, sorry, he has a question about it compared to another Tesla. Go ahead, Jacob. Hi, Ryan. Uh, this is Jacob calling from Orlando, Florida. Um, I'm calling in about your um, request for comments on the uh, Tesla Cybertruck. Um, me and my brother-in-law have been talking a lot about it recently, and we are particularly interested in the $40,000 model that begins uh, 39.9, and. We're wondering about how they might have made that a $40,000 model with the cheapest Model 3 model being $38,500. Um, we want to really know maybe what your comment is on, um, on how they might have done that production-wise. We're very confused, um, to be honest, as to how they might have actually accomplished that. Uh, thank you. Well, it's a few things, Jacob. One, it's battery technology advancement. Tesla continues to drive their cost per kilowatt hour down, and the $40,000 base price of the Cybertruck is almost certainly factoring in the next two years worth of that before the truck enters production. Two, it's the stainless steel body. Stainless is relatively cheap and 
the trucks don't have to go through a paint shop, so that saves a lot of time and some money. Uh, and three, the assembly process is much simpler and thus cheaper, not just because of the lack of paint, but because the truck is just folded together. So all of that together is what seemingly is making this fairly crazy low price point on the Cybertruck possible. Excellent call there, Jacob. Thank you so much. Two more calls this week. Kyle has been a Tesla fan for a while, uh, but the Cybertruck was, well, it had a particular effect on him. Let's talk to Kyle. How's it going, Ryan? Um, my name is Kyle. I just uh, started listening to your podcast with the Cybertruck episode, and I've been a Tesla fan for a long time, but I had never didn't really have a Tesla out there that really fit my, my needs. So I've been planning on getting a Jeep Wrangler um, for a while now. And then I saw the Cybertruck. And it took me, I think, all 10 minutes to go from, I don't know if I like that, to uh, pre-ordering it basically as soon as Tesla tweeted the link to do so. So um, I, I got a pretty early pre-order. I'm really excited about it. I do a lot of outdoor photography and professional video photography work. And I think for me, one of the biggest things that I like is uh, not only will I be able to take it off-road for those kind of jobs, but I can lock the camera gear into the vault in the back and not have to worry about people getting to my gear or seeing the camera equipment in my back window or anything like that. I think this is going to end up being the perfect vehicle for me. And uh, just really excited about it. So I pre-ordered the dual motor with uh, Full Autonomous. Welcome to the podcast, Kyle. And hey, congratulations on your order. Yes, indeed. With all of the valuable and sensitive gear that you've got in your line of work, it sounds like the Cybertruck's features are absolute music to your ears. I hope your wait's going to be a relatively short one. Trust me from experience. Your two-year wait will both go by fast, but also somehow paradoxically, simultaneously feel excruciatingly long. So uh, buckle up. Try not to think too much about it, but you know, you've got time to get everything planned out for your garage and your charging and your finances and all that stuff. Last call this week, last and certainly not least, Alex from Orlando wants to talk about renting. Teslas. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, Ryan. This is Alex from sunny Orlando, Florida. I'm actually out on a work trip um, in Louisiana and uh, driving up through Birmingham and over to Little Rock this week. So I'm doing a lot of driving in a rental car, and I, sh I sure miss my Model 3, that's for sure. But I was thinking, um, as I'm listening back through all your podcasts as I'm driving, why don't some of these rental companies get a fleet of Model 3s to rent out? Or why doesn't Tesla try to strike a deal with them uh, as a form of cheaper advertising, whether that be selling them a fleet of Model 3s uh, and have people who are uh, wanting to try out without doing a test drive or myself, I would rent one every time I'm out on a business trip uh, since I miss mine so much. But uh, maybe just an idea if anyone uh, is in the rental car industry or business uh, as a thought for you guys love the show thanks for all your hard work appreciate it see you later 
Interesting thought here, Alex, and I agree that I would need to default to someone in that industry on this. I'm relatively sure that each of those companies, Hertz, Avis, etc., have contracts with different car companies. And I'm relatively sure, I would be willing to bet a lunch uh, that they probably get discounts on buying large volumes of cars for those rental car fleets. Tesla is, of course, as we well know, highly unlikely to offer any discounts as, of course, they can sell every single car they make at full price. So there's that, I imagine. Plus, the rental companies, if they have Model 3s, can't sell you an expensive refueling option on your contract. I guess, well, I guess they could, but they probably couldn't get away with charging nearly as much as they do uh, on gasoline there. So, you know, hey, if if anybody out there works in that business and wants to chime in with this with more firsthand knowledge, which I obviously have zero of in this in this case, I would be happy to get educated on this because I agree, Alex, you might draw a lot of customers with a fleet of Model 3s and, as a, as a rental company, save a lot of money on maintenance costs as well. Excellent call. If, uh, if any of you out there want to call in, again, I welcome it, invite it, encourage it. I gave you the call-in info at the top of this segment. Drop me a line anytime, day or night, and you may be featured on one of the next upcoming shows. Thanks to everybody that called in this week. Super appreciate it. Hang with me, though. I'm not quite done. I'll be right back with some impressions on the latest major software update that's rolled out to the fleet, 40.2.1. And I've got your pro tip of the week for you right after this. Well, as I come to the home stretch of this week's episode, as I mentioned a moment ago, version 40.2.1 is rolling out to the fleet, and with it, a couple of significant things. One that is mentioned in the release notes, and one that isn't. Uh, The one that is, which is the neural net-powered automatic windshield wiper setting, uh, I have to say, so I've been, I have gotten pretty substantial use out of that this week, because it has been raining almost all week here in San Francisco. Well, I got to say, I think that that feature is going to be good, but uh, so far, I have to say, they feel like, it feels like a slight step backward for now. They don't, the automatic setting doesn't seem to be quite as responsive as the last manually coded version was prior to this update. However, I do very much suspect that they will improve pretty quickly now, if now that they're using fleet learning. So basically every time with the auto setting on, every time you tap uh, tap the stalk to get a manual wipe, it is logging that and probably noting uh, how much mist, you know, how much moisture it detects on the glass at that moment. And it is sending that back to the fleet. So with any luck, that setting is going to continue to get better and better and better to the point where Auto will be all you ever need. Um, Second, the thing that's not mentioned in the release notes that's awesome is faster automatic lane changes. Now, again, I I have the lane change confirmation turned on. I had I had disabled the the automatic setting a while ago 
because I just wasn't happy with how long it was taking to prompt a lane change, check for your hand on the wheel, put the signal on, and then go. It just was ended up being more frustrating to me in Bay Area traffic than anything else. But anyway, so I've been running for a while just on the, you know, the, the requiring the confirmation so that if it sees it, you know, if it wants to make a lane change, it prompts and then I tap the stalk and it goes, uh, which is quicker. And now it's real quick. It's like impressively quick. So when, when the car prompts for a lane change now and I tap that stalk to accept it, it just makes the lane change immediately. It goes right away which feels, it's very confident, it's really fantastic, this is a super nice change, and obvious, and the first time it did it, I was like, whoa, that's different, like, it's very noticeable, very cool stuff there, so great work by the autopilot team. All right, pro tip of the week time, this one, I've been uh, sitting on this one for a while, I've got a nice backlog of these, again, I could always use more, though, because it's always nice to have a good stash of these around for a rainy day, uh, if you have a pro tip of the week, something that you've discovered about your car, uh, you know whether it's the car itself, the the the, the you know, a button here or a you know who anything about the car, like something in the trunk or the front or something on the screen, something in your app, whatever it is, send it in. If you think it might be something of use to your fellow Tesla owners, you can send that those calls. And again, please also, as with the regular calls, try to keep it to 90 seconds or less. But you can send that in the same way that you send in the regular calls, which I told you about uh, how to do that a little earlier in the show. So uh, James from Ontario has a, has a particularly interesting pro tip here. I'll let him take it away. James, you're on the air. Hey, man, I've got a pretty cool pro tip for you. My wife and I have one of those Nest security cameras that we actually use as a baby monitor so that we can see into our little dude's crib from our phones. Um, one night, my mother-in-law was babysitting for us when we were going out for a date night. And since the cam uh, can be viewed through a browser, we tried pulling it up in the browser of the Tesla on the way to the restaurant. If anyone's familiar with the web interface of these cameras, the main screen gives you an overview of all the cameras connected to the account. It isn't exactly fluid video, but we were able to see our son in his crib as we drove to the restaurant on the screen of our Tesla. Show me any other car on the planet that you could do that in. I thought everybody should know about this little trick. Uh, we can also see and control the Nest thermostat of the house at that same page. Just another thing to love about your Tesla. That is very cool. Thank you, James. That, that is something that I'll bet the Tesla engineers never even thought of, but it is nevertheless Super awesome. All right, it is time for me to hit the road. In fact, it's time for me to get to bed is what time it is. Before I go, though, a few quick plugs for you and uh, and some some deals and some, some plugs to send your way. First up to Immaculate Reflections. If you are uh, looking to do some detail work on your car, whether that is paint correction, paint protection film, ceramic coating, two of those, all of those, one of those, uh, if you're gonna be, if you're in the Bay Area, or you're gonna be taking delivery in the Bay Area, or you're gonna be in the Bay Area, the killer Black Friday deal. Just a couple of those left, which is, uh, it is a substantial deal on a full body paint protection film. So if that is a service you are interested in, now is the time because uh, not only is the the deal really good, but Immaculate Reflections is as you know, I I will vouch for them. 
until the end of time. Jeff is an, not only an extraordinarily talented detailer, but uh, he is just a, a, a very honest, good-hearted human being who uh, I've been proud to, to call a friend here over the last couple of years as we've gotten to know each other. So find out more on his website or just get in touch with him. Go online at irdetailing.com. Now, if you're not interested in the full body paint protection, he's still got deals running on uh, ceramic coating or partial paint protection film, $100 off on those. So, you know, it's a nice nice little 100 bucks off. Can't beat that. Uh, and if you're a military member or military veteran, present your, uh, your military ID to Jeff for an additional discount that can stack on top of that. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL. That is the website to go to if you need a one-stop shop turnkey dash cam sentry mode storage solution. So you go to puretesla.com slash RTL, and then you just decide, do you want to pay $49 for the 128 gigabyte kit or $69 for the 256 gigabyte kit? And it is going to come... Uh, it's going to be shipped anywhere in the world, including free shipping in the U.S. Come right to your door, formatted and ready to go. Works with Mac or PC. You just plug that right into your USB port in the car, and it is, and boom, your your dash cam is set to go, and it's with a nice SD card set up uh, with a USB adapter so that the, the, the frequent, the reading and writing issues that we've all been having on the USB drives that aren't intended for that aren't going to happen anymore because it's actually doing all that reading and writing to an SD card, which is designed to take that sort of frequent uh, reading and writing to it. So puretesla.com slash RTL, if that is of interest. Meanwhile, Jada, the, uh, as I I mentioned this last week, these makes make an awesome gift for the Tesla owner in your life, including yourself, by the way, if it's, if it happens to be yourself, getjada.com slash ref slash eight. That is the referral link that I would greatly appreciate it if you would uh, order through. If you're interested in buying one of their Model 3 wireless charging pads and or one of their Model 3 USB hubs that give you some extra USB ports, including USB-C ports and that cool hidden like fake dummy back wall where you can actually hide your pure Tesla uh, dash cam uh, USB SD kit. That's what I'm doing with mine. It's 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 hiding in that cool little compartment, little hidden compartment, so that if anybody, God forbid, did smash into your car and then did have the foresight to go, I'm going to take the USB so that this person can't find the footage, well, they're going to have a lot harder time finding the footage because of that Jada USB hub. Finally, uh, let's, well, not quite finally. If you if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'm at DMC underscore Ryan in both of those places. And uh, finally, the Patreon. Yeah, if again, it's the Patreon's totally optional, but that is that is the way to support the podcast if you want to. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's basically Kickstarter, but for ongoing creators. So, you know, there are authors on Patreon, there are musicians on Patreon, there are painters and and artists and podcasters. So if you like what I'm doing here, I would sincerely appreciate it 
if you might take a look at the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash teslapodcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And there are different tiers that you can support me at on a, on a monthly basis, and it's all very easy and secure. Uh, but it is, again, it's also totally optional. So, you know, you don't have to do it, but if, uh, if, you, if you find it in your heart that that's a thing you, you feel like that I've earned and you, and you want to go check that out, I would sincerely appreciate your support on there. There are some little bonus perks at each of the different tiers, ranging from early access to each week's episode on up to getting your name shouted out in each and every episode, which is what I'm going to do right now for the Patreon producers. I want to thank Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Stapp, uh, excuse me, Joel Sapp, sorry, Joel, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, and Trenton from Myrtle Beach. Thank you all so very, very much for your continued support, particularly at the producer tier, because that's that really goes a long way. That makes a big difference. Uh, thank you all very much. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, that is not a money thing. That's just a uh, subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, which is in your Tesla. I'm also on YouTube. You can subscribe there. Again, it's just audio on YouTube. There is no video. But if you subscribe on any of those places, it just means that you will be notified when there is a new episode. You don't have to remember, oh, it's Sunday. Let's go get a new episode. It'll just push out to you. So please do that for your own convenience if you do enjoy this podcast. For a, uh, what are you doing over there, Daisy? She's scratching an itch. For Daisy the Boxer Puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 228. The holidays are coming up. I hope you're all having a wonderful, happy, healthy, and safe holiday season. I will be here. There is no, I do not take uh, time off per se, and I don't have any, I'm not, I'm not, I'm only going to Arizona at some point. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be doing one, yeah, one of my, one of the next couple shows from down there from my parents' house. So, uh, the show will continue as normal. No, no interruptions and no vacation episodes there. So stick with me cause I'm here for you. Happy electric motoring. And I will see you all next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car.
it's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. It's maximum fun. Mm. 